0: Hello and welcome to your daily dose of commentary. Today, we start with the topic, Rockstar keeps ignoring the PC port of GTA Online. So more bad news for the people who dare to play GTA Online on PC. From Ben Videotech on Twitter, Per Rockstar Communications, new GTA Online content arriving tomorrow. The Classy Park Ranger, exclusively on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S. The All New Photography Challenge, exclusively on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S. To this I said, God damn, I want someone at Rockstar to just give a straight answer why a photography challenge and a car in GTA 5 since 2013 can't come to PC. I can understand all or nothing for content coming to PC GTA Online, but I can't understand arbitrary things being excluded. Now, I understand people's response, well animals aren't on, on PC so you can't have this. I mean certainly they could have added something else, some other challenge for PC if they really wanted to give this content to people. But, I just wish they would come out and say why they aren't allowing animals for the PC version, right? Like, the performance on PC isn't particularly bad. It can't just be performance issues. Maybe they have an issue with, like, the lowest common denominator kind of thing, where, sure, my system wouldn't be super negatively impacted if you added animals, but maybe the people with the lowest NPCs that are still using GTA Online, their systems would be negatively impacted to the degree that they they don't want to do it. But I doubt that's the case, right? It is true, that, though, that with consoles, you can more understand what a new feature is going to do in regards to its impact to performance, because everyone has the exact same system. With PC, huge spectrum of different systems from, uh, you know, something 10 years ago to something made yesterday. And so, what you release is going to have different impacts on on different people. But I, I, I'm sh- I'm sure if they really wanted to do it, they could make it happen, you know? It just sucks. It's not even like amazing content. Although, when I did the first photography challenge that's in GTA 5, it's in my video, the single-player GT5 DLC video, which was the returning player bonus. The returning player bonus was a photography challenge, or at least some of it was a photography challenge. I would have made a video doing this, especially because of the, you know, memes in regards to cougars and stuff, but it's uh, not gonna be, unfortunately. I guess I could just use my console version, I suppose, but eh, it's not worth it. Although maybe at some point I should Get a list of all the content that's only exclusively on console and then do it just a video doing just the console exclusives, but and we'll see how much content that ends up being. I speed completed GTA 5 after a 13 hour live stream. So whenever anything happens in the world related to GTA 5, I of course get added. And so unsurprisingly, I was added in this tweet here. I Show speed just did a 13 hour long stream being the whole game of GTA 5. And so it's just a 30-second clip here of him finishing. Oh my, oh, my oh my god. 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 Everybody who popped up in the stream. y'all boys. 13, 14 hours. We did it. <laughs> Speed game! I agree. That is a speed game. I gotta say, he looked like he was really struggling at the end there. Like he, he legitimately looked like he's he's run a marathon. And as a person who's 100% of the game quite a few times, it is quite taxing. But uh, he, he looked like he was out of breath. Is this him saying he's got 75,000 viewers finishing here? That's nuts. I wouldn't mind having 75,000 viewers when completing GTA 5. I think if i did a full speed run now i'd probably end the stream with maybe four or five thousand viewers if i was like gonna pb maybe seven thousand if i was gonna world record maybe ten thousand like even the most optimal situation i could possibly be in with a game that i've dedicated 10 years of my life to there's no way in hell i get anywhere close to seventy-five thousand people and so just goes to show the huge difference in our level of popularity like you guys may look at me and go oh my god it's that famous dark viper eu guy i look at myself and i go this guy's got 75,000 viewers just being a game that came out 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, With no, nothing special about it, just him beating it. And not even beating it very proficiently as it turns out. Obviously, one thing that you know raises your eyebrows is this time here. 13 hours to beat the whole game of GTA 5. That's a nutty time for a non-speedrunner. As I say here, 13 hours to complete GTA 5 while watching cutscenes would be an insane time for a non-Speedrunner. But this 13 hour stream started near halfway through the game, so probably had 20 plus hours at least GG though. This stream where he spent 13 hours playing GTA 5, he started like Assassination 1 and then he did Assassination 2 and 3 I think. So he, like he hadn't done Blitzplay yet, like, I consider Blitzplay to be halfway through the game, but he was basically on the doorstep of Blitzplay. So I'm not sure how long he spent, but it was definitely a lot more than 13 hours. To be clear, a cutscene percent speedrun of GTA 5 done by a speedrunner would take like 10, 11 hours. I think the cutscenes are like five to six hours long. And so you just take their PB in a normal speedrun and add five to six hours. But 13 hours while watching the cutscenes would be nuts for a non speedrunner. But apparently, he did skip some cutscenes towards the end, and he also mission skipped through some parts of the game. Again, reminding me that while I consider GTA 5 to be a fairly easy game, and while you guys likely see it that way as well, after having played GT Online for, you know, a thousand goddamn hours, people who are more new to the controls, the game uh, don't know what's coming up and stuff. It does have some difficulties, you know, especially when you're trying to do all in one go and you're tired and shit and you know, it is funny that his name is I show speed. He's like, he's showing speed by speeding through GTA 5. Ha 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 ha. He had a lot of viewers, but you don't want his type of viewers in chat. I think in many ways, people conform the way they behave to the situation that they're in. Like you may be out with your boys saying slurs and shit. I don't know what you guys do in your spare time. You come into my chat, you know that stuff isn't appropriate. So you don't do it. Everyone has a spectrum of behaviors that they're they're willing to elicit depending upon the particular context. And I suspect a lot of the people who might be spamming emojis and stuff in his chat, if they were in my chat, they just wouldn't be doing that. They would quickly come to realize this isn't the place for that as i say in many respects your audience comes to reflect you not just because people who don't like the way you act just leave and not just because you just ban people outright if they don't act well but also because people generally speaking do pick up on the sort of vibe of the live stream and conform to that or else what i mean is i don't think they would act that much differently to a lot of you guys you know Well, not least not necessarily. You're right that if I had more viewers that there'd be a higher percent chance of people just doing and acting and uh, weird and stuff. I think when you have a lot of viewers, people don't bother writing messages since they won't be seen. That's absolutely true. The engagement rate for an average one of my streams is 20%. But you would assume that as the amount of viewers goes up, it gets even lower than that, right? Although a lot of people don't type things in chat because they want to be seen by the streamer themselves, but they want to get, they want to be involved in the chat vibe of, like in the same way that you're in a crowd, a sports arena where you go, yeah, kind of thing. You type an emoji, not because the streamer is going to be specifically looking at your emoji, but because it's a part of the crowd, you know. Does having a young audience reflect on a creator poorly? So I think it's a somewhat sensitive topic for a lot of live streamers and maybe YouTubers as well when people accuse them of having a very young audience. In a way, sometimes it's meant to be an insult, where it's like, man, only 12-year-olds would like your content, man. Like you're saying underdeveloped people are the only people who would watch you. You're fucking lame, that kind of thing. Or your content is immature or you're immature, like it's used as an insult. Some people get very defensive when these insults are thrown at them. And I think something similar to that happens to... How do you say his name? Kai Senat? So Kai Senat speaks on people that say he makes content for kids. Quoting him, the content that I make is for me and other grown M-words. If your kids tune in, you got to call their parents. That ain't me. I don't know who, I don't know who thinks and believes that I make content for kids, but you're dumb as shit if you think I'm making, con- I make, con- the content that I make is for me and other grown-ass, n- bro. If kids tune in, you got to call their parents, gang. That ain't me. That's what I be talking, you can't blame me. If kids is tuning in also, if you do your fucking research, you dumb bitch, type in Katsunet on Twitch. Click on my stream and and see if it warns you to be 18 plus to continue further watching. I can call up my Twitch rep and say, hey, can you please take up that warning for my shit? But guess what? I leave it. Want to know why? Because hopefully you 18 plus watching this shit. It literally warns you before you click on my stream. It does him no favors. When people accusing him of uh you know somewhat being immature and targeting and and being watched by immature people when he's like bitch do your research if indeed he does set his stream to mature only that's utterly meaningless right who he wants to target is completely separate from the audience that watches him and obviously it it takes no effort at all for a person to click i am over 18 and join the stream anyway as uh person trop here says yeah i'm sure 20 year olds are saying turn on that kai stream At one point in time, I used to say that YouTube was the the platform that skewed younger, but I'm not sure how true that is these days for Twitch. I think Twitch is more accessible, more mainstream than it ever was in the past. And that means it has a a younger audience than it ever had before. I think maybe Fortnite was probably the tipping point there. I would be interested to see the viewer breakdown, but as with... Twitch putting out their own metrics suggests that obviously the vast majority of people on this platform are over 18, and uh, my own audience, as we've done polling, it's you know less than 10%. That's 17 or, or under, and that doesn't surprise me. I don't know the exact age breakdown of Kai, but at the end of the day, if you want to have tens of thousands of people watching your live stream, you need to have a significant amount of people who have a lot of free time to be able to watch, and a lot of those people are kids or at least people who are under the age 18. My YouTube audience is younger, I say. I still think it is likely the case that YouTube skews younger than Twitch. But there's absolutely no chance in this world that Kai does not have a significantly large young audience. But I doubt it's like the majority or whatever, right? It is Twitch after all. Yes, Twitch says that 70% of its viewers are between 18 and 34 years old. But then again, you don't know exactly how Twitch got those numbers. Do you give your birthday when you make an account on Twitch? you got to have a way that people can report without any negative consequences. Because a lot of people obviously just make 18-year-old accounts regardless of when they're 18, depending on the site they're going to. And obviously, those numbers from Twitch don't mean that 30% are below 18, obviously. There's a lot of people on the platform over the age of 34. Having seen some of Kai's content, though, I mean, no offense to him, but it, it does seem to be that sort of content that would appeal to a younger audience, right? It, it isn't like... Like, what even is mature content on Twitch? I, I don't know. Like <laughs> I do think, though, that in the same way that the main reason why Ninja was able to break so many records in regards to having like the most viewers and the most subs and all that stuff, the most primes and all that jazz, is because he was able to reach a much younger audience than anyone else was. If you're a person who wants to be the biggest on the platform, reaching a very young audience is a, is a good way to do that and Kai, at least at one point in time, was the most subscribed to person on the platform. It would shock me if he got there without appealing to the very young demographics, you know. and channels like those go insane on YouTube, that's even younger audiences. And you're right, the actual kids' content on YouTube gets insane numbers, but obviously Kai is not appealing to uh, six-year-olds or some shit like that. Bottom line, I would argue that It's inconceivable to me that, let's say, the majority of Kai's audience is under the age of 18, That he's deluding himself if he thinks that there isn't a substantial portion of his viewers who are under 18. Was I defending eugenics in this short? So I got some interesting comments under a short that was released on the Rambles channel. I think I got some of these comments when it originally released in Rambles, but I didn't get as many, I don't think. If gene modification becomes a thing, culturally, we will shift in terms of what we consider to be a disease. Like if you have a gene that's related to having, you know, low intelligence or something, you'd think we'd eventually reach the point where we would consider that a disease. Like why should some people be blessed with genes that give them benefits in terms of being prosperous when they've done nothing to earn those genes? Removing genes associated with diseases or illnesses, things that literally shorten your life expectancy, would clearly occur very quickly. And it's hard to think of an argument as to why that wouldn't be justifiable. It's like, oh, you know, we have this technology that can remove this gene that will completely fuck your life, but we're not going to do it because, you know. So people left comments saying, that's what eugenics is. And I was like, I think, generally speaking, so eugenics is is suggesting that some genes are more favorable than others, as like in the most broadest sense, and attempting to cultivate within a population these preferable genes. I think looking at this that way is, I think, a bit reductive. Or at the very least, generally speaking, what's bad about eugenics is people's attempts to influence the genes of other people. Like as a matter of policy, saying these two groups can't associate or mate, or forcibly sterilizing some people, or killing some people with this specific goal of, you know, within the population influencing what genes move to the forefront. But on a personal level, I don't think that's eugenics. Like if on a personal level you say, I don't want a gene that gives me a 50% chance of having a heart attack by the time I'm 25, I don't think that's what eugenics traditionally is meant to describe. Or at the very least, the condemnations of eugenics aren't related to that. This commentary, on what we would consider to be you know a disease or what have you or at least negative if we had the ability to very easily change genes wasn't about us as a society enforcing particular genes in our population or as a matter of government policy but more on an individual level that we ourselves would be like yeah i don't really want a gene that's going to cause me to have a 70 percent chance of having skin cancer by the time i'm 45 or this particular gene makes it so that my brain is less good at processing mathematical equations. I don't want that gene. I would totally understand people saying that if we had the ability to do this, that this would better enable people to, as a matter of like an authoritarian government, you know, it force people to remove genes and stuff, but I don't think that's what I was talking about here. And I don't think the idea of gene modification as a whole is a bad thing, even if it could be used to do bad things. I think there's just more nuance in this issue than GENE MODIFICATION BAD! GENE MODIFICATION Eugenics! Like, you don't need the ability to, through a medical procedure, change genes to enact policies related to eugenics, because as we've seen in history, people have already done that. But it would also open the gate to positive modifications, like some people imbibing genes that stimulate intelligence, which again, cycles to having something you never worked for. I mean, a person who worked in some way to earn enough money to get some procedure to change their genes would be more work than anyone has ever done to have particular genes ever. Because normally we're just born with genes and you know you roll the dice and you get lucky in some reg- regards and unlucky in others. And it's just, it's a part of the natural unfairness that some people are blessed in regards to their genetics and some people aren't. It's a natural inequality that if we did have the technology to fix in any capacity, I think it would be pro-social for us to do that. But again only on an individual basis where people want this to be done but i'm skeptical that it will ever get to the point where changing of genes is so well understood and so safe that it's a matter of like popping a pill or something even now optional procedures or cosmetic procedures or what have you even the most mundane ones all have risks all have possibility of negative side effects as long as it's a matter of consent Everyone's consenting, everyone's involved, everyone's knowledgeable of the risks. I think this is something that should just be available to everyone. The problem could be also some kind of Orwellian regimes that still exist today. I think that's just the case with all technology. Or no, I say this about literally everything. Everything has upsides and downsides. Or at the very least, there can always be some context where even the most benign thing can be used in a negative way to harm people. We wouldn't say cameras are a bad thing, right? But then again, some people use cameras to, you know, create like a surveillance state and follow all the populations and scan for faces and stuff, right? It's, it's just that uh, people who have dark ends will attempt to use whatever's available to achieve those dark ends, even if the things that they're using are generally speaking benign. Yeah, so bottom line, eugenics, I'm not in favor of, at least as I see that word. Answering your most interesting questions. What would you do when you retire from streaming? I've always imagined that When I retire, it'd largely just be from YouTube. And I would just pop in to stream every once in a while to chill. Because YouTube's the hard part about my job. Streaming is easy. Streaming for everyone is easy, right? I mean, there are harder things to be done in streaming. But anyone who tells you that streaming is harder than YouTube, nuts. Of course, there are people on YouTube who have it very easy. Don't get me wrong. As we say, there's there's many different levels of difficulty on YouTube. But like the average YouTuber is working like 10 times harder than the average streamer i sh- shouldn't make such statements like that but, but speaking of myself personally me myself personally the live streaming component is, is a lot easier i always thought i would end up like traveling the world or something maybe i would meet someone who i could do stuff with and i would just go do stuff and hopefully find something else that i am passionate and interested in because surely that exists right i mean i like poker and audio books and, and stuff and yeah Hello, have you ever thought of taking another major such as linguistics? Are you saying, would I go back to university and study more? I mean, if I retire and I know I'm like in my 60s or something, maybe I would just go back to university and get a bunch of degrees or something. There are people who do that. In fact, there are people in my country who take advantage of the way the government has set up university funding, where they just rack up heaps and heaps of debt with the government going to university over and over and over again. And they never would never pay it off because they're there. You only start paying it off after you make a certain amount of money each year. Like, uh, what is it? Like after $30,000, you, your wages are garnished to pay off debt you have to the government for the university courses that you take or something like that. And of course, they're going to die soon. And so they, they never pay it off. I mean, I, I could end up one, like one of these people is what I'm saying. Because like while university was difficult and stuff, I do like learning things and the university environment, it, it can be good for that. If you're asking whether or not I thought about taking another major when I went to university, what well, I thought about doing philosophy, but the job prospects in philosophy are not many at all. And psycholo- psychology is similar to philosophy, but more things uh, you can put a user psych t- degree to. Given the size of your channel and the views you get, it's actually very rare for you to put out videos that have sponsors in them compared to YouTubers of similar or even smaller size, apart from the specific sponsor videos like Fortnite or Netflix GTA. I'm curious to to know why. The reason why it seems as though other YouTubers have more sponsors is that in often in some cases they do actually have more sponsors, but also a lot of channels only release like a video or two or three a month. I traditionally have two or three sponsors a month, and that's all I really want because doing sponsorships takes time, energy, effort that I don't necessarily want to put into that stuff more than I already am but it seems as though some channels have so many sponsors. Again, because if they're only releasing one video a month, they only need 12 sponsors to fill every single video they have with a sponsor. Where I'm releasing 15 plus videos on the main channel, and like another 20 videos on the Ramble channel, it's not possible to get that many sponsors every month, to organize that many deals, and I wouldn't want to. My entire life would just revolve around meeting the exact sponsor requirements for all these people. It is not as easy as you might think handling all this sponsorship stuff. It's not free money. Trust me. (laughs) Sponsors are in a large part a pain, and I much prefer not having to deal with them, much if at all. I may not need many sponsors, but I will always need you to like and subscribe. Thank you for watching, and I wish you all the best.